Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, church family. It is great to see you guys. My name is Barrett Bowden, and I'm lead pastor here at ICC, and a special welcome to you. Today, you guys, did you know it is the first day of August? Anybody excited? I am thrilled. Um, Here's why, because this is the time of year that we actively um, welcome so many new people into our community and into our church. If you are new this morning, can the rest of us just give a special welcome to you? I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but let's just welcome those. We know there are a lot of people who are new today, and a special welcome to you. Um, We know that this is a time that many move into Memphis, start school, start new jobs, Um, and so if that is you, uh, we, we see you, we love you, we value you, and we're grateful that you're here. We are a big family of faith. Um, we started in a living room on Mud Island, and we have grown to this family today. Uh, we are united in our love for Jesus and our love for one another, and it is great to, to be together this morning. Today, if you've got your Bibles and something to take notes with, I hope you do, uh, we're going to be continuing our series on spiritual habits Um, And we're going to be integrating over the next few weeks some of the normal themes that we hit every single August because it's the start of a new ministry year for us here at ICC. And we're going to be doing that as we teach through the series we've been in throughout the summer season called Rhythms of Grace. How can we grow spiritual habits? Now, just as a brief refresher, spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. All of us are saved, if we are saved, we're saved not of anything that we do, but of what God has done for us and his son, Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be made right with God is not by what we do, but is by what he has done for us and his love, his life, death, and resurrection, his finished work for us that we can receive as a gift as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. That is how we're made right with God. That's not what we're talking about here with spiritual habits. These habits don't make us right with God. Only Jesus can make us right with God. But these things help us to grow in our relationship with God. There are things we can do. There are postures in our life that we can embrace that really help us to grow to know God more and to experience Him and His grace. Now, all these spiritual habits we've been walking through are ones that God defines for us. And so um, we've been using throughout the, the summer Acts 2.42 is a simple explanation of of how we're getting the categories of habits because it says in the early church that they devoted themselves to three things, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and then third, to the prayers, all right? So what we've been saying is if you look at this, the, the clear pattern of the early church, they were devoted to three main categories of things. They were growing in the word, They were growing in the church, relationships with one another in the church, church life, and they were growing in prayer. And that's how we got the diagram that we've been showing you week after week, these rhythms of grace, 
these three categories of the word, church life, and prayer. Well, this morning, we are continuing right now in the section of church life. And this morning, I want to be talking to you particularly about community. So if you've got something to take notes with, I would encourage you to head those notes up with this rhythms of grace, community, okay? Because that is indeed what we're going to be talking about today. There was an old song, um, some of you might be familiar with it. I think Michael Jackson had something to do with, with it. It was easy as A, B, C, one, two, three. You know what I'm talking about? This morning, I got a gift for you. I'm not going to sing the song. That's your first gift. The second gift is this sermon is going to be easy, as easy as one, two, three. All right? Y'all ready? So, never done this before. This is very exciting for me. So, one, two, three. This morning, I'm going to give you one definition. I'm going to give you two reasons why. And then I'm going to give you three ways how. All of this related to community, okay? So the definition, I'm going to give you a definition for what is community, okay? Under two reasons why, I'm going to help you understand why is community important. And under the three ways how, I'm going to help you understand how you can experience this spiritual habit. So let's start with the definition, Number one, I'm going to give you one definition, okay? What is community? To do that, if you've got your Bibles, I would like for you to get them open to the book of Acts chapter 2. I know I just read from Acts chapter 2, and in fact, I just read this very verse, but I want you to see it in the Bible because it's really important that you trust that I'm teaching you God's word and not just some word that we want for you here as a church. There's a particular word in Acts 2.42 that I want you to either circle in your Bible, or if you're not one that writes in your Bible, maybe take notes and just write down the phrase. But it says, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And y'all read this with me. What does it say? The fellowship, all right? And the breaking of bread and the prayers. I want you to focus in on that word, the fellowship. And if you're taking notes this morning, I, I don't do this all the time, but when I believe it's helpful, I try to allow you the opportunity to understand a little bit of the deeper meaning of the original language. This particular word in the Greek is a word that is here on the screen, koinonia. Can y'all say that with me? Koinonia, okay? It's not a word you're going to use all the time, but it is a word that matters. And the reason it matters is because it does have a deep meaning. We read the fellowship, and I think sometimes on our English-speaking ears, we can just hear like, and the hanging out, or... Sometimes, like, we use the word community. That's the word we've chosen. But this word carries such depth to it that I want to make sure you understand what we're talking about here. The fellowship, this word koinonia, another way you could think about it is communion. Okay, now this is not a word that we would think about when you talk about, you know, I, I really share communion with my brother or my sister in Christ. Think of, we think of communion as almost like it's the bread and the juice, right? But I want to work with this word for a second because I think using this English word is helpful because this English word is a compound word, com and union, right? And y'all tracking with me here where I might be going? It comes from common union. Y'all tracking there? So when we talk about communion, what we're speaking of is a common union. Union. 
And that is a very close explanation to, to what the depth is of this word. Another English phrase that we might could use would be a mutual bond. So when we say they're, they're, they devoted themselves to the mutual bond, this word, um, it, it's, it's, it's an idea of intimacy. I really don't know a, a better way to understand it other than this deep, deep sharing, complete oneness, this sharing, anything that... You, that I have is yours, anything you have is mine. There is this mutuality that's going on in this word, the fellowship. Uh, another way that maybe I could help you see this a little bit better is by flipping to another passage in Philippians chapter 2. If you got your Bible, if you could just turn just a few books over to Philippians chapter 2. And I want to show you in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, how I think we can have a little bit better insight as to what's going on. Now, this, this word koinonia is used throughout the New Testament. And so if you are studying your Bible, you could search for the phrase of fellowship, or if you had software, even just Google. You could look for other places that koinonia is used. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, says this, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So what he's saying is, if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus, if you have experienced the blessing of Jesus, the benefit of Jesus, if you know in your relationship with Jesus, his love, if you know the Spirit's indwelling, if you have affection and sympathy, if you know the Lord Jesus, okay? That's what Paul's saying to the church, and he's saying to you. If you know Jesus, then, he goes on to say, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Here he's saying, basically, this is an explanation of koinonia. He's saying, walk into that with other people. Be of the same mind and the same love and of oneness with, with others who are also in Christ. Now, we'll look at many other passages today, but essentially, if you want to understand the mutual bond of koinonia, you can understand it in two ways. There's this mutual bondedness, one, in Jesus, and secondly, in life, okay? So what we're speaking about here with the fellowship, we're not, we're not talking about here that they were experiencing relationship because they all love pizza. They all really... They all cheered for the same Jerusalem Major League Baseball team. It wasn't that they all just happened to be moral people who enjoyed clean fun on Saturday nights and movie without sex and horrific language. And so they found mutual interest in one another because they enjoyed morality. It's not talking about that they all enjoyed the same habits or hobbies or interests. That's not koinonia. 
What makes a bond between two people in the biblical sense, the koinonia sense, true fellowship, is first a common relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's all you have to have. You don't have to have anything else in common with another person, but if you have relationship with Jesus Christ with one another, you both have that relationship with Jesus, then, then that is the bondedness. That is the depth of relationship we share in knowing the grace of Jesus. We share in having the Spirit of God. We share in, in, in belonging to the same family and having the same confession. We share in Jesus. And because we share in Jesus, that second part of koinonia is we willingly share in the rest of our life. If we share in the deepest things, then we also will share in all other things. That is the fellowship. That's what we're talking about when we say they were devoted to the fellowship. All right? Now, here I've done all this teaching and I haven't even given you the one thing I told you I'd give you, which is the definition. So, y'all remember number one? <laughs> I told you I'd give you a definition. Here's the definition. Knowing this, we can define community as follows. Community is life lived in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers in the local church. Community is life lived in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers in the local church, okay? Now, you see several aspects to this. And just so that you can have a, another kind of explanation of what's going on the definition is, number one, you see here in authentic relations, we're sharing life. Excuse me, sharing heart. In selfless interdependence, we're sharing life. And in loving unity with other believers, we're sharing faith. So there's this aspect of, there's this complete bondedness, should be, between us as believers. God's calling us to embrace this kind of life. He's calling you to embrace this. To live life in community, in koinonia. Deep bondedness, Jesus in life, and it looks like you sharing of your heart, you sharing of your life, and ultimately you're sharing Jesus, you're sharing faith, okay? Now, I could uh, just challenge you. Some of you like challenges and some of you enjoy homework. So one of the challenges and potential homework assignments I could give you right now would be to look for the phrase one another in the New Testament. It is one of the most commonly used phrases in all of the New Testament. There are so many encouragements, exhortations, instructions that will help you to see how vital community really is, and really what it's all about. So if you don't trust the definition that I just gave you, go to the scripture and look at how the scripture defines koinonia, and look at the outflows of koinonia, and I believe that you'll see that the definition that we gave is a faithful one, because ultimately you've got to test, do you really believe? Do you really believe that this is something that God wants for you? If you don't really believe it, then you're not going to walk in it. But if you really believe it and feel convicted by it, I believe you'll make choices to walk in it. Now, I want to give you, I told you the sermon was as easy as one, two, three. So I gave you the one. Number two is this. I want to give you two reasons why community is so important. All right? I want to give you two reasons why community 
is so, so important. And ultimately, friends, today, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, I am trying today to convince you to move into deeper relationships with other believers here in the church. No matter where you are, whether it's you going from zero to starting something, or if you're in something to going a little bit deeper in, or if you've been deeper to go even deeper, I am desirous this morning to, to plead with you to continue to grow in your experience of koinonia, all right? So two reasons why I believe this is so important. Number one is related to design, all right? Number one is related to design. Community is an indispensable element of life and faith. I'm going to walk through both of those. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to go back to the design thing, and I'm going to give you two subpoints under it, okay? So under design, subpoint number one, you were made for community. I mean, the way God actually made you, the way he knitted you together when you were in your mother's womb, the way that he has created you as a human, you're actually, see, we're not the designer of ourselves. God designed us in a certain way. And we got to lean in to know how have I been designed? And I'm trying to say to you, you have been designed to participate in community. Now, here's why I tell you this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, very, very clearly, it tells us how God designed us as humans. And fascinatingly, he says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, interestingly, and I've taught on this many times before, but maybe this is your first time hearing it. It says here, let us make man in our image after, what does it say? Our likeness. In other words, God is not a bachelor who lives alone. God is a holy community of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God has dwelt in holy, perfect community for all time past. There was never a beginning to God. He has always existed as perfect triune God. He is a God of community. And when God, out of the overflow of his perfection, out of the desire to bless others out of his blessedness, said, I will create in my image. And he created you and me. He created human. And he created us in his image. And guess what? He's not alone. He's always existed in perfect community in the Trinity. And so when he created out of his image and he created us, Guess what that means for you? You and I are not meant to live alone. We were made, in fact, by the very reality that we're made in his image, we were made to experience that sense of depth of community. That is part of what it means to be human, is to need community because you didn't design yourself. God designed you. And he designed you to experience his likeness. And that means a capacity and a beauty and a need for community. You track it with me? He goes on to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and he says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. Now, this is not just about marriage. This is just about all of us. He's helping Adam to see and us to see in the likeness of Adam that we were made for relationship with other people. 
One thing I have been trying again and again and again to help our church see over the years is this. We need friends. Can you look at your neighbor this morning where you're sitting and just say, I need friends. Can you, can you just do that this morning? Okay. Yes. Can you also look at your neighbor and say, it is not good for me to live alone. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Okay. Now that was a big risk because now I'm dependent on you quieting down so I can continue teaching. (laughs) But the, the thing I'm trying to help you see is that you were made for community. Now, the second thing that I want you to see, not only were you made for it, but you were redeemed into community. By God's design, you were redeemed by Jesus Christ into a family, into community. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God has invited us into deep fellowship with him, the community that he has always experienced with himself. He's now extending to us that we might experience community with him. But that community with him also extends to others because Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, and he says, because there is one bread, We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In other words, what Paul's pointing our attention to, he's saying, look, if there's one Christ, then though all of us who are many are are many, we ultimately are one because we're all partaking out of the one bread who is Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, so then you are no longer a stranger and an alien. Hey, guess what, guys? You're no longer on your own. See, sin isolates us from God, from others, and even ourselves. But God redeems us in Jesus Christ back to God, back into real relationship with others, and even back to right relationship with ourselves. God in his redemption, there's no longer this isolation. There's no longer this estrangement. There's no longer this, well, you like this, and I, I'm a, I voted for him, and you voted for him, or I, I, I like this team, and you like that team. No, 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 no. All of that kind of divisiveness, all of that kind of judgment, all of that kind of separation, isolation is done. You are now, what does it say? Fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. In other words, you are now See, when, when, you, when you came to Christ, when God made you new, and there's a point for all of us that we have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. We have to turn from sin and turn toward Christ and ask by his mercy for his salvation. But at the minute that happens, the minute God redeems you, something else happens. He redeems you into a family. You're no longer alone. You now belong not only to Jesus, but also to the family of God. So he has made you for it, and he's redeemed you for it. And this is why in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and I could belabor this by teaching so much, but I don't have the time. But in Acts it says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. That's why the picture of the early church is people who get it. They come to Jesus, but they also came to each other. And there was this koinonia, this depth of life that they shared. They had one heart and one soul. What does that mean? Literal physical heart? No. Spiritual hearts. They were together. They were one. Me is gone. 
That's done when I come to Christ. It's now we. It's no longer I. It's our family, right? That's what God has done. So the first reason why community is important is because it's God's design. You were made for it, and you were redeemed, redeemed into it. Now, the second thing that I want to give you is that it's also not only for design, but it's for your delight. Community will help you and others know Jesus more. Promised by the Word of God, and I'm going to walk through it. Go back to the outline, and if you're a structured note taker, you're going to appreciate this. Under delight, you can say, first, you will experience Jesus in it. Why is community important? Because when you live in community, this is God's design, and when you live in God's design, there's going to be great joy. Now, here's the thing. I can't teach all of this today, but I know that you trust these references and can go look them up later. But I want you to know that God has promised blessing to you when you walk in community. Here's some ways that God will bless you. Number one, you will grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one will sharpen the other. You will grow when you walk into community. Second, you'll be formed holistically. See, true disciple-making does involve an acquisition of knowledge, but true disciple-making involves more than just information, and it involves more than behavior modification. It involves complete life transformation. And to be a disciple, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Not just learn about these words and memorize them in your mind, but learn to follow Jesus with your whole life. In 2 Timothy 3, he urges Timothy to, to mimic the pattern of life that he showed him. And so many of the things are not classroom things, they're life things. How you can have faith through trials, how you can persevere through suffering, etc., etc. Friends, you need to, to grow holistically. And the only way to grow holistically is to learn to do it relationally. Also, your faith will be sustained. Paul speaks to the church of Rome, says, I want to come to you so that we can be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. If your faith ever feels tired or weary, friend, you need to get in relationship with other believers so that your faith can be sustained, fueled, and even grow. Faith happens in community. It's a community project. Friends, you'll be encouraged. Hebrews 10 says, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Anybody need encouragement today? Friends, Live life in community because when you are in community, we can be encouraged toward Christ. You'll receive care. Galatians 6 speaks to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Anybody ever been through a time in life where you can say, I couldn't have gone through it unless it was for another Christian brother or sister walking with me and bearing that with me? Christian community is indispensable for receiving care. Let's go on. The scripture says you will not pray and struggle alone when you're in community. He speaks of, in James 5, of how we can come together with one another and pray for one another. He also speaks in James 5 of how we can hold one another accountable to be sure that we're not wandering off from the faith. Hebrews 13, the whole chapter, speaks about how when we live life together in community, we can learn in better ways to do ministry together. To, to, to live lives that are purposed and that matter. And then over and over in the scripture, 
one of the greatest encouragements and opportunities you have is to grow in your understanding of love, God's love for you, and how you can love God and others as you love yourself. And you cannot, you can understand love in your head by reading the Bible, but you cannot understand love with your life, experience true transformation where you have to give up for the sake of other people unless you're living in authentic community. That kind of loving unity with other believers. Listen, friends. Choose community, not only because you're designed for it, because there's great delight in it. You can experience Jesus more when you live in community. And not only can you experience Jesus in it, but I want to tell you this, and I'll I'll be brief here, but I think one of the, the great encouragements that we have in the Bible is to understand that the lost will see Jesus in community when we live in it. Christian community is one of the greatest apologetics of the gospel. In fact, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says this explicitly, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And listen to what he says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Friends, I've got to tell you something, and this is, just, this is just for my 12 years here in Memphis in this transitional community of downtown. Our broken world needs to see the hope of Jesus in the way that we live and love one another. Our culture is marked by isolation, self-determinism, division. And our church, any, any church, gospel church, stands in stark contrast to the culture of the day. When we show people authenticity of relationship, selfless interdependence, loving unity, it's essentially like a kindergarten show and tell. You know what I'm talking about? You're basically like, look, look how beautiful Jesus is. Look at what he's done. Look at this new community that he's created, this new way of relating. This is the way it was meant to be in the beginning. It is a winsome witness to our broken world to help people see the beauty and the redemption and the reconciliation and restoration of Jesus just by seeing it played out in the relationships that we have with one another. There is a distinctiveness that Jesus brings to our relationships And I'm telling you, broken and lost people long for that. They long for that kind of relationship with others, the relationships that we have. And they will often say, what's going on? And their curiosity will often lead them to the very opportunity for us to help them to see and know Jesus Christ. Amen? So why community? Two reasons. One is you're designed for it, right? You're made for it. You're redeemed into it. And secondly, there's great delight in it. You can experience more of Jesus and the lost will see Jesus in it too. Now I close with this. How can you do this? All right. There are three ways that I want to point your attention to this morning. And all of them start with the letter I. You can send me your thank you notes. My email is, I'm just kidding. All of them start with the letter I, and this is where I think you're going to be challenged of whether or not you actually 
I think up to this point, you've probably seen God's word. You're like, yeah, I see it. <laughs> I, 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 I see the definition and I see the reasons why, but the question I'm going to ask in this last section is just, will you, will you be willing to change? The first thing you need to do if you want to experience community is, I'll use the letter I, interdependence. You've got to maintain a view of your need. Note here that I did not say dependence, and I also did not say independence. I'm talking about interdependence. Our dependence is on Jesus, but we also are not going to live isolated. Okay? We go from me to we. I need you. You need me. We're no longer alone. We're joined in a family. You need Christian friends, and you've got to live every day without awareness. Some of us are so prone to live in isolation, to live without honesty and transparency, to hide, to not open up and share our struggles, to try to just bear down and get through it on our own. And friends, you cannot do that as a believer in Christ. You should not do that. We are made for one another. Our walk with the Lord, our walk in life is designed by God to be lived and shared with each other. So we have to make a choice because our culture wants us to maintain fierce independence, wants to tell us that if you depend on other people, if you open up like that, that's weak. If you sit with another guy and you cry about your heart struggles or you open up and you talk to them about how you're addicted to pornography, oh, that's going to bring shame on you. If you do X, Y, and Z, the culture says to you and, and, and our sin nature says to us, don't do that. But friends, we have to do that. We have to live differently because we know the word and we know the design of Jesus and the great blessing that God has promised when we do it. We know that we are called to live interdependently. And so we have to every day fight with truth. The lies that we just need to keep to ourselves and stay on our own and live independently. No, we are designed for community. So we have to make that choice. The grace of God is not quarantined to individuals, David Mathis says. He says the healthy Christian, introverted or not, of whatever temperament, in whatever season, seeks not to minimize relationships with fellow Christians, but to maximize them. And I wonder in this season, how could you choose every day to maximize your community with other Christians, knowing that it's for your good? Number two, you've got to make investments, okay? So the first one starts within you. How are you going to do this? You've got to choose interdependence. That's a heart thing. You and God, you got to work that out. That's something, that's a posture thing in your life. But the second one is a practical thing. It's a, it's a real choice kind of thing you got to make with other people. You got to invest. You've got to make real effort. In other words, some people have the mindset, well, I know I'm called to Christian community. I want Christian community, but nobody's going to be my friend. I can't, nobody's willing to be my friend. Listen, you got to be a friend to have a friend. Some of us don't need to wait on a community group. We need to start a community group. We need to choose to do anything and everything we can to get toward the kind of relationships that we know that we need. And I found that if I am a friend, God will bring me friends. Now, that's a, it takes investment. Hebrews 10 talks about that. Let us consider how to do this. You've got to figure it out. What nights of the week are you available? What capacity do you have? Who are the kind of people that would flow well with your schedules, et cetera, et cetera. And it says, don't neglect this. In other words, don't, you, you can't 
want community, for instance. You can't say, I want that kind of deep sharing with other people, but yet I, I'm not willing to show up to regular group. I'm not willing to, to regularly show up like Matt spoke of last week on Sundays. You've got to connect the two. Like, you have to make a choice to show up. And you have to push through several awkward... I mean, community is awkward. Let's just be honest. Um, I've showed up to many community groups before, sat outside in the parking lot, and I never went in. I just sat and watched the people going in so that next week I could work up the courage. This is, this is your pastor 12 years ago. This first small group I, I went to at ICC, I was scared to death. But you've got to invest in it. And, and so what I'm just saying here is, friends... What investments, what effort are you really willing to put in? And last but not least, and I close, interdependence, investment, and third, intentionality. Intentionality. You've got to move toward Jesus. Now, here's what I'm saying. I think, gosh, I'm proud of our church. This last year, we had the highest percentage of people participating in community in organized ways than we've ever had. I'm so proud of our church. We live life together. And if you're not part of us, we invite you to be part of us and invite you to join us in this, this work. It is a grace that we live the way that we do. And I just want to encourage that to continue. But I do think, probably pastorally, where I think we have the greatest need to grow is to, to make sure that when we are in relationship with one another and in our intentional times together, that we are encouraging one another toward Christ in specific ways. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, there's a story of Jonathan and David. I've used it many times if I taught on community. In it. But I love it because David was in a very desperate and depressed place. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and he went to him. He made the effort. But when he got to David, he didn't puff David up. Oh, David, you're so great. You can do it. Oh, David, he didn't, he didn't also make David dependent on himself. Oh, David, just depend on me. I'm going to be your friend through this, and I'm going to get you through. No. When we get to community, we don't point people to themselves, and we don't point people to ourselves. We point people to God. It says that Jonathan strengthened his hand in the Lord. Imagine taking your brother or sister's hand, and you're putting their hand in God. That's your purpose every time you show up for community. How can I put their hand into God's hand? How can I strengthen them in the Lord? And that's why Romans 1, the verse I quoted earlier, Paul says, look, let's be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. I wonder in this next season how you could live with greater choice to be interdependent, to be more invested, and also to be more intentional. That when you're with one another, you're not just talking about life and sharing updates, but you're encouraging one another. As you hear updates, you're praying for each other right then and there, or you're encouraging each other with specific verses toward Christ. That you're being intentional toward Jesus. Community, life lived in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers and the local church. This is why one of our big measures at ICC is covenant community. Y'all probably heard this before. All covenant community is, that measure, the only thing that changes is just, we say, a choice. These are measures of a healthy disciple of Christ. And one of the things that we will see in your life 
when you're really walking with Jesus, is a growing choice to live in this way. And I wonder this morning, is that a choice that you're ready right now to say, yes, God, grow that in me? I'm going to call Mitchell Morris up. He's our associate pastor of discipleship. Some of y'all heard this morning that we are going to be actually, the, the reason that we organize this sermon on this day is because right now at the start of August, we always have the opportunity to launch into a brand new season of discipleship. Now at ICC, you need to know this, we are committed to make disciples. We're committed to discipleship. Matthew 28 speaks to this clearly. It's a core commission that God's given us. And we want you, okay, we really want you uh, to grow in relationship with Jesus. And we want you to be able to grow in helping others know Jesus too. Um, We have been over the last few years, you guys, working hard on making sure that we are laying out the right vision and strategy for discipleship. And Mitchell here has been absolutely incredible along with our discipleship team, including two deacons, Curian Potter, John Caleb Somasundrum, Leanne Inman, our family ministry director, Tom Crocker, our associate pastor of member care, and myself. We've been working hard to continue to um, just strengthen what we're doing as a church in the area of discipleship. And this year, what you're going to hear, it's not a change. It's just a continued growth in the, in the trajectory that we've been on. We are taking a great investment this next season to help you to grow as a disciple. So we're going to walk through this right now, and I'm really excited. And I hope that um, as you hear more of the opportunity that's before you in this next season, that you'll think about connecting, okay, this is what God wants. How can I actually make that, make that choice in this upcoming season? So yeah, thanks, Mitchell. Hey, thanks. Hey, everybody. Good morning. We, we matched today. It's cool. Kind of do, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, thank you all for, for um, thank you, Barrett, for giving me opportunity to share um, kind of the leadership of this morning. I, I feel really hopeful this morning, honestly. Um, what a great message. And I just, I know that if you've been in our church at all over this past year or so, you're probably familiar with a lot of what we're going to talk about today, which is good. Um, but some of you may not be, and I'm just really eager to kind of bring you in a little bit. So, you know, when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about one of the ways that we define this as a church is we're reorienting ourselves to God, right? We're reorienting all of our lives and all of our reality to God and who he is. And we're learning to follow Jesus together. And we do that in two primary ways, and that's in community and learning. Y'all remember that? Raise your hand if you remember hearing that. Great. Can y'all say it with me? Community and learning. Okay. So those are the two things we're going to talk about today, okay? We really believe that healthy disciples are committed to both community and learning. These are the essential ingredients of healthy discipleship, we really believe. So I'm just going to walk you through these, okay? Does that sound good? All right, so we're going to talk about community first. So here's what I want you to do as you're following along with me. Uh, If you'll grab your phone, it's not usually what we ask you to do when we're asking you to pay attention, Uh, but go and grab your phone and open up your ICC app, okay? If you don't have the app yet, maybe you're new or something, or you just haven't gotten it, you've been putting it off, you need to get it. It will really help you a lot. Uh, all of this information we're going to talk about, it's, it's available online through our website, but if you're a part of our church, it would be very advantageous to you to have our app. It makes things a lot more accessible, okay? So go ahead and pull that up with me, and what you're going to see, well, let me get mine, okay. What you're going to see 
is uh, down on the bottom right, there's a, there's a discipleship button, a little square that says discipleship. Go and click that with me. And you're going to see two things right there at the top. Shocker, community, and learning. You'll also see our um, church-wide Bible reading plan. But we're going to focus on these two, community and learning at the top. So if you go and click community with me, what you're going to see is it's going to give you two options there at the top, to form a group or find a group. So let me just explain that to you. So I know that many of you were part of community groups this past year. Um, we were, you know, we took a break over the summer because we were all together for summer Wednesdays. But it's time for us to get back in groups. It's time for us to start thinking about that again. Many of you already are. Some groups are already forming a meeting. But uh, if you've not yet, today is the day we're going to start really talking about that, thinking about that, considering uh, kind of what community looks like for you in this next year. So there's two options. If you're a member of our church and you want to form a group, so maybe there's a group of friends and y'all have been talking about getting together as a group and someone needs to lead, okay, that could be you. You also may just be willing to lead, but you don't have a group yet, and that's okay. Either way, if you'll click that button, it's gonna take you to a super short form. It'll take you five minutes, maybe. But what that'll do is help us come alongside you and get you started, okay? Uh, find a group is for, if you're new to groups, maybe you're new to our church, maybe you've been in our church, but you just need help getting connected. Um, I would encourage you, if you are in our church, I'd encourage you to talk to some of your friends, like figure out what some of your already existing community is doing this year for group. And you may find yourself becoming a part of a group that's forming. But if you want or need some help, getting connected, we'd love to help you. So you just click find a group and it's gonna do the same thing. It's gonna take you to a quick thing, take you a minute or two um, and then you'll hear from me and we'll, we'll help get you connected. Does that make sense? Form a group or find a group. Those are your two options with community groups. The last button there that you'll see says FAQs, it has Carrie Roeder laughing probably at Micah in, in a small group. Um, just click that. If you, I, here's what I'd ask. I'd ask everybody to do this, no matter if you were part of a group last year or you're new to it, it's gonna take you to a page of our website that's really user-friendly. It's just some basic info about groups. It's gonna kind of give you the rundown, some important things that will be helpful for you to know about groups, like kind of what is our philosophy on groups? How do they work? Um, what do groups do? So that's an important thing to know. Barrett was just talking about intentionality in community. So our groups here at ICC, community groups actually have a choice as to how they want to grow together spiritually. So um, you can read the Bible together. You can uh, like study a resource together, whether that be a book or teachings or something. You can also review and process Sunday sermons together. So that, and that may be a great option for this fall. In fact, I think, Barrett, did you want to share a little bit about what Sundays yeah, are looking so like I think for I the fall? hinted last week that we would announce today uh, what our fall series will be. And I'm really excited on behalf of the elder team to announce that we are um, ready to begin a study of a new book of the Bible that's actually going to take us not only through the fall, but will take us all the way through next spring with a few intermittent breaks, and I'll explain that in a second. But we together as a church are going to be studying the book of Romans. And I am so excited about the opportunity to study the book of Romans. It will be at least a 26-week study. That's what we're thinking. We're still finalizing the, the details but the book of Romans, if you're not familiar with it, is probably uh, one of the most uh, epic, let's say, uh, gospel-centric books in the New Testament. Uh, Paul lays out such a beautiful and very logical explanation of the gospel in the book of Romans. 
and it will strengthen your understanding of Jesus and the gospel, but also strengthen your passion, I pray, and preparation to share the gospel with other people. I am not ashamed of the gospel, he says, for it is the power of God and salvation for all who believe. And he speaks of the righteousness that comes through faith. So for the next season in the life of our church, on Sundays, and then for those who choose to review Sunday uh, teaching in groups, we will be together in the book of Romans. Anybody excited? Yeah, so we're, we're thrilled. So you can expect that starting the second Sunday of September. And again, we'll be taking some breaks for things like local ministry, global missions, emphasis, Christmas, things like that. But that will dominate the upcoming season in life of our church. If you've never studied it, you're in for a real treat. It's going to be a fantastic season in God's Word. So please spread the Word and make Sundays a priority. So, That's yeah. awesome. Thanks. Yeah, so I think, I really do think that could be a great option for groups this year. It'd be a great book to uh, process together as we learn throughout the year. So that's community, okay? And you just heard a great message on community, so I don't need to rehash any more of that. Anything else you want to speak to with community? So I need to find a group, form a group. That's right. I need find to read a group, the FAQs. Form a group. You did a great job. Read the FAQs. All right. What about learning? Thanks. Second, we're going to talk about learning, okay? And then we'll be done. Um, so before you get to your app, let me just kind of uh, give you a little bit of background here. So Barrett mentioned this a, a minute ago, but as we're considering this year, how do we move forward, right? How do we continue to grow deeper as disciples? Uh, we really want to take some next steps with our learning this year. So we have a few goals in mind. One, uh, hopefully you've heard uh, our elder-led vision goals for the year. We're wanting to align our learning opportunities with those, growing in evangelism and generosity and service and leadership. Uh, we're also listening to y'all, like as you're sharing with us your learning priorities. Like, we're wanting to hear you and be responsive there and help you to learn in the ways that you want to learn. Uh, similarly, we're, uh, you know, we're considering how to make learning more accessible to you, to your schedule, by providing more regular opportunities, uh, but also to find a sustainable, healthy pace for our church and for leaders. And so we're empowering a group of leaders to lead in these things. So. Uh, I just wanted you to understand kind of where this is coming from. This is how it's going to play out, okay? I just want to talk to you about three different learning spaces for this year. They're very simple, very self-explanatory, maybe obvious, but I'll walk you through them. Um, so one is classes. So classes are ongoing learning environments for a, certain, a set amount of time. There's a start date, there's an end date, and I show up regularly. So if you've ever been a part of a Bible collective, that's a class. It's 10 weeks, and you're learning through something together. Workshops... Many of you have been part of workshops this past year as well. These are more individual opportunities to grow in a specific area of your life. So you're going to show up for a day or two days and uh, learn about your spiritual gifts or how to share your faith, things like that, okay? And this year, actually, we're working on a regular rhythm where, and you'll see that here in just a second, where our workshops will be built around the second Saturday of each month, okay? So when the second weekend of each month rolls around, there will be at least one, most likely multiple workshop opportunities for things to learn for that month, okay? And third is conferences, pretty self-explanatory. These are special opportunities that are maybe off-site or partnered with another ministry or something that's outside of just the teaching curriculum of our church, but that we've deemed, hey, this could be a great opportunity to learn. Does that make sense? So classes, workshops, conferences, and you can see all of these. So if you go ahead and click with me, so you're going to have to go back one from community. And if you click the learning button on your app, what you're going to see here is actually, this is really cool. For the first time, you're going to see a year-long discipleship calendar. Okay, I would ask you not to get too scroll happy right now, or you're going to tune me out, uh, which is easy to do, but hang in there. Um, but later, 
take some time to look through that, okay? You're going to see... Wait, you're, you're saying a year calendar. So you, what does that mean? Like now a year, through... Now through next July. Now through next July? The, basically the next school year. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Great job. If you're a student, don't get triggered. This is not like your school schedule. It is different. It's better. Um, but I want to encourage you. You're going to look through there and you can see... So for classes... You'll see men's and women's Bible collectives. You'll see kids' classes on Wednesday nights. You'll see next summer's summer study and VBS, okay? For workshops, you'll see, like I said, those monthly opportunities. Some you're familiar with, some you, we may not have done before. So you'll see shape and sharing your faith and financial discipleship, but you'll also see prayer and marriage workshops, things like that. Uh, and there are a few conferences, special opportunities sprinkled throughout, parenting conference and retreats and kids camp for next year and global missions conference, things like that, okay? So I don't know how you're feeling right now. You might be feeling a little overwhelmed. It's a lot of information. I get that. Uh, hopefully you feel excited too. You probably feel a combination of both. I'll identify myself in that category. Um, but here's the question I want you to be asking is, what does this look like for me this year? Okay, so we started, I, one of the first things I said was we believe that healthy disciples are committed to community and learning, right? So what I, we want you to ask is what does this look like for you? Not everything is for everybody. We're working to provide opportunities for you to make choices about how you want to grow this next year. Okay, so Barrett, do you want to I, speak well, to that at I, all? I was uh, trying to process. I was trying to hold you back. No, right? no, no. Yeah, I, okay. I was processing this past week. I was like, how can we explain this? Because I, the last thing I'd want is for everybody to say, oh, the church calendar, church is so busy or the calendar's full, and I'm supposed to do all of this, and the learning, you know, the, as I scroll, that's not, that's not it. Anybody ever, did anybody ever go to elementary school? I, what, do, what does it take for me to get y'all to participate? So, <laughs> did anybody ever go to elementary school? Okay, thank you. Um, did anybody ever remember, back in my, in my day, I don't know if they're still doing this, maybe not, I should have asked my pediatrician wife, um, they showed this, like, chart on, on how you should, like, eat, right? And they put up like the food groups. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? And they basically were like, you needed this, this much milk and this much fruit, and this many vegetables and this much bread. Anybody remember this? Okay. So um, essentially, once they taught you what a healthy plate looked like, then they trusted you to go and figure out how to make your choices when you went to the cafeteria or when you were at home. The point was they were trying to get you to see this is what health is, and then you get to choose how to make your plate, okay? That is what we're trying to do with, with, with this discipleship strategy. We're not saying that everything on the buffet you have to eat. We're just saying it's, it's important that you're in community, and it's important that you learn. Now, you, you can choose. Like maybe for, for Michelle and I, it might be, okay, we're, we, this, it's not that we're going to do everything. Because we got to be healthy and we got to make right choices for us in this season. But it, this is, we got to figure out, this is where we'll find community. We might go on this marriage conference or this workshop on sharing your faith might look really helpful. Or we might send our girls to the camp next summer. We've got to make choices from the menu of options that fit the vision and the, the need in our life for community and learning in this season. And those choices may be very different than the choices you make. It's not that we have to all choose the same things. It's that we all have to say community and learning are essential in my life if I'm going to grow as a disciple. We're showing you the plate, the vision. You get to choose what goes on that plate now that you've heard that vision. Does that make sense? So it's not everything for everybody. That's not the way it works. 
But you do have to go home and prayerfully, whether it's yourself or you and those in your family, say, what are the choices that we can make to invest in growth this year in these ways? All right? Hopefully it helps. No, and I, I like talking about my elementary school. That's fun. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. I'm curious, is there dessert involved there or is that it? I don't think that was on the plate. Okay. Okay. But maybe. No, that's We can great. add it. Thank you. Um, yeah. I just want to encourage you. Look, Barrett was just talking about uh, what it looks like, those last three things, right? What it looks like to be in community. I think he's going to circle back there as we respond. But here's what I want to like encourage you towards is to see yourself as the owner of your discipleship process, your growth, right? Like we each individually have to own that. We're in community, obviously corporately, but we each have to own that, hey, I, I get to make a lot of choices. That's what this whole summer has been about. Our whole series about rhythms of grace, spiritual habits, has been about the fact that I get to make choices as to how I grow. Like Jesus has called me to follow him and to learn what that looks like, and that influences every aspect of my life. And in every season of life, I have to choose what that looks like for me, right? And so I want to ask you to take some time. Take that seriously. This afternoon, this week, really start to consider what this looks like for you this year. So your next steps, I'm going to remind you, you're going to go to the app, download it if you don't have it. It will help you a lot, I promise. It's not like we don't like make any money off the app. It's just it's for you, okay? So just do it. And then, but you can give through the app. You can give through the app. That's true, but that's not. You can. That's not what that I was saying. That is important, but I, I know Correct. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Um, community, go to community, form or find a group. Uh, learning, review that calendar and start to consider what would be best for you. They all have signups. Okay, so you can go and sign up and indicate your interest for uh, each learning environment. Okay, so the last thing I just want to remind you, we're not doing this alone. I just said we have to own it. Yes, but. We're not doing this alone, so please talk to somebody. Like, if you need help, I anticipate most of us will need to have some kind of conversation about what this looks like for us this year. Okay, talk to somebody. Talk to me. Talk to one of our pastors or elders. Barrett just named our discipleship team earlier. Talk to somebody on our staff team. Anybody, anyone in a leadership position will help you with this or direct you to the person who can. We want to help you. We want to walk together in this. So don't, that's don't why flounder. We announced it now instead yes. of the start of September. You've got exactly. three or yeah. four weeks to work this out. That's right. So, yeah. Exactly. That's the design. So um, thank you guys so much. It's going to be a really good year. I feel really hopeful. I think we're going to grow together a lot. We'll do anything to help you grow. I'll do anything to help any of you grow this year. Just let me know how. Can we show um, appreciation thanks. to Mitchell and the discipleship team? Thank you. Great job. Great leadership. Um, our band comes now as we close. I know that was an unconventional ending to a sermon, but it was intentional because I wanted to help you under the section of how to really flesh this out here in our local church for the next year. But ultimately, friends, it goes back to your heart. Because like I said, this is not going to be important to you. You're not going to make any changes to your life. You won't be willing to do any investments. You really may not even open yourself up to really receive from this gift of community unless in your heart with God, you've really come to a place of conviction and also surrender. And so I just, I want to bring you back to that right now because we are in the presence of God, even though we're with one another. And I just want to ask in your heart, like, are you willing to receive this word today from God that you have been designed for relationship with others? Yes, relationship with him, but relationship with him that also is relationship shared with him and others. And are you really willing to agree with that and to receive that and, and, and to, to lean into that, to really 
anticipate blessing in that. Maybe today you could even name specific areas of your heart and life where you really know that you need to let God in more, let others in more. Where you really know that there's a burden that needs to be shared, a joy that needs to be celebrated, just life that that needs to be lived uh, with others in your pursuit of Christ. And so maybe today, just in this time, I just would invite you to really, in your heart of hearts, just pray with the Lord in this time of response. And just say, God, I, I want to choose to live interdependently. I want to be willing to invest because I know this is something you desire. And, and God, I want to be intentional for all of this to move toward you. So let's just respond as God leads. The words of the song are so beautiful. Just speaking of, God, give me a, one passion to know and follow hard after you. And maybe this could be your prayer today. If there's anything else you need, whether it's a decision for Christ, that's your most important thing. Any other prayer, there's prayer counselors and myself, we'll be here. This is a time for us just to respond to the Lord, to give him our heart and to anticipate his blessing in the season ahead. He loves you. He loves you. He gave himself for you. There is grace for those who turn from self to him. So let him minister to you even now. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.